This podcast is a production of the Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, a place where real people meet a real God to live in a real world. For more information, visit our website at www.communitycovenant.net. Reading from Psalm 119, verses 9 to 6. Must be something else. 9 to 11. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees and I will not neglect your word. Thank you, Ralph. Well, for the last two months, we have been in a study of this book called The Divine Mentor, Growing Your Faith as You Sit at the Feet of Your Savior. It's by Wayne Cordero. And I hope that you have been reading through this and have just been blessed as so many have reported that they are being blessed by it. Uh, Those in our home groups... uh, have been talking about it, and it's just been such an enrichment uh, for their lives as we as a church have been encouraging one another really to delight in the Word of God, just to chew on it daily, to be nourished by it, to be exhorted by it, to find hope and meaning and purpose, but most of all, to encounter Our God in His Word, that God speaks and He meets us in a very personal way through His Word. Now, for two months now, we've been going through the book, and uh, week after week, either myself or one of the other uh, pastors has been up and they've shared uh, a sermon based on on one of the chapters uh, out of the book, and we have done our very, very best to encourage you to get into the practice of daily encountering God in His Word, of joining the narrative of Scripture, of of meeting the people that God has placed there, people like you and me, uh, people whose lives we can learn from. And as much as as I've encouraged you to do that, I know that that some of you are still kind of not there yet. Uh, Maybe, perhaps... A few of you, you're, you're, you're just not there at all yet. Uh, you're just not into the practice of opening Scripture um, daily. And, and you really haven't had that experience consistently of meeting God in His Word. It reminds me of a story my mother used to tell me every time I try to push the peas underneath the potatoes on my, my dinner plate. I try to hide the things I... I didn't want. She told me, no, eat this. This is so good for you. You need to, you need to eat this vegetable. It's just delightful. And I, you know, I just go, mm, no, I don't want to do it, right? And she said, don't be like your grandfather. 
Now, you know, my grandfather, she invokes the name of my grandfather, who died four years before I was even born. And uh, it was her dad, my grandpa Jones, the Welshman. And she says, do you know his entire life people tried to get him to drink orange juice, but he refused. And he was in the hospital just a few days before he died. And I was there with your two aunts, and they brought in orange juice. And again, we pleaded with him, Dad, why don't you try it? Try orange juice. It's good. It's good for you. Well, my grandfather knew he was ill, and his days were numbered. He figured, I have nothing to lose. So he tried the orange juice. They were stunned in amazement as he picked up the glass and he, and he tasted it. And then he finished it. They were shocked, my mom and her two sisters. And my grandfather looked at them and said, Man, is this really good! Followed by the words, I wished I'd have tried it sooner. Okay? Now that, I mean, I cannot tell you how many times I heard that story in relationship to foods that I wouldn't try, okay, as a, as a kid growing up. But you know what? I want to invoke the name of my grandfather when it comes to Scripture. Now, thankfully, he was a man of the Word. I have one of his pocket uh, New Testaments with his name on the front of it. The man I never met, I'm looking forward to meet in heaven, was a man of the Word of God. Now, while he didn't taste orange juice till the end of his life and he loved it, he was a man who read the Word of God and the Word of God was important to him. And what I want to say to you in this last couple of weeks of our study, The Divine Mentor, is if you have not yet really given yourself over to the practice of encountering the Lord daily in His Word, I just encourage you in the name of Jesus just to try it, to do it, because you're going to love it. It's the only book in the world, the only book in the world, that a person could guarantee you that if you get into it and you surrender what it has to say to the Lord, your life to the Lord, it will change your life. That's a guarantee. That's a promise. And so I hope and I pray that as we finish up this series, that you will encounter God in His Word. Now, this morning we were in Psalm 119. It's called the Mount Everest of the Psalms because it's the longest psalm, 176 verses. It's also the longest chapter in the whole Bible. It's very significant. And, and what do you think the theme is? The theme is delighting in God's Word. The theme is exalting God's Word, but more importantly, exalting the God whose Word it is. Now, it's fascinating. In, in, um, in the Hebrew, it is an acrostic psalm. There are literally 22 sections. Each section has eight stanzas or verses. Each section begins with one of the 22 letters 
in the Hebrew alphabet. And there are eight different words used for the Word of God. Law, statutes, testimony, words, commands, ordinances, precepts, judgments. It really is a psalm about love for God and spiritual strength that comes from His Word. It is a psalm that proclaims devotion to the way of the Lord. But most importantly, love for God's Word is explained as a love for God expressed in heart, attitude, actions, and words. Now, today's passage, Psalm 119, uh, verses 9 through 11, and actually the eight verses that, that complete that section, 9 through 16, really are representative of what you'll find in, in all uh, of the rest of this this um, of Psalm 119. And in it, you're going to find several themes, themes that reflect what you or I could expect as we mine God's Word and we find nuggets of gold, things that are of great value for your life and my life. Well, we find five of them just in these few verses that uh, were read by Ralph this morning. So let's look at the first thing we find. Number one, we find restraint. We find restraint. Psalm 119, verse 11. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. That it is the word of God that gets into us, that builds character, that conforms us more and more to the character of God, and particularly as followers of Jesus, conforms us to the very image of Christ Jesus. And in that, we learn restraint. We learn to identify the ways of God from the ways of the world, the ways of character, the ways of righteousness from the ways of sin. And the psalmist here, which really scholars aren't sure who it is, maybe it's uh, David, perhaps Daniel, maybe Ezra, they're not sure, But what they are certain of is that this psalmist is writing about the power of God in one's heart to keep them from sin. Now, N.T. Wright, the great New Testament scholar, wrote about running from sin and towards Christ. And this is what N.T. Wright says. He says, think of an animal you'd really be afraid of, whether it's an angry rhinoceros or a large spider. Okay? If you came around a corner and found yourself facing it, what would you do? Well, you'd run away, of course. Well, as a follower of Jesus, that's how you should feel about a a lifestyle of greed, of lust, of jealousy, of injustice, or any other sinful pattern. We should see it and turn and run. Then think how you'd feel if you saw the person you love best in the entire world. You hadn't seen them for years walking down the street. What would you do? Why? You'd chase after him or her, of course. That's how you should behave when you think of Jesus and the new life he is offering you and that he speaks of in his word. The psalmist said it this way, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The second thing we see here is in verse 13. It's the word recount. 
recount. The psalmist says, with my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. He recounts them. He gives testimony about them. I love what he writes later on in Psalm 119, verses 103. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. He's giving a testimony of the sweetness of the Word of God. Sweeter than honey to his mouth. He gives testimony to the Word, to the power of the Word. He recounts it. He learns restraint by it, and he recounts what he's learned. And then in verse 14, we learn, or we see the word rejoice. It has to do with the joy that we receive from God's Word. The psalmist writes, I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. As one rejoices in great riches. Psalm 119, 127 says, Therefore I love your commandments above gold, yes, above fine gold. Jeremiah 15, 16. The prophet writes, Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart, for I am called by thy name, the Lord God of hosts. And oh, would it be true for us that we who are also called by his name would find joy and rejoicing in our hearts through the word of God, his word to us, that his word would be sweet, sweeter than honey in our mouths. The fourth thing we see is the psalmist learns to reflect. And we see a call to reflect on the Word of God. Verse 15 says, I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I meditate. I spend time. I think about your Word. And I, and I consider your ways. Lord, show me your ways. Psalm 119 again Verse 99, the author writes these words, I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. There's a lot of things you can read. There's a lot of teachers you can sit under. And yet the psalmist is saying, I have greater, I have greater insight. I have more wisdom and character that's come from that wisdom as a result of your word, Lord, than the wisdom of all the teachers apart from your word. Wow. Wow. What a promise for you and for me that we can go to the word of God and we can gain a wisdom that develops character that transforms our lives in a way that no other teaching can accomplish in one's life. And then finally, it calls us to remember the psalmist is reminded. In verse 16, he says this, I delight in your decrees. Okay? That's the theme this morning. Claire helped us with the dog bone, the chew toy. I delight in your word. It stands firm. Excuse me. I will not neglect your word. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. In other words, we need to remember it. It's not enough to read it and close the book, right? We need to remember it. 
We meditate on it. We appropriate it into our heart. And as a result, our lives are transformed and we live differently. And so here's the question I've asked you before. How are you going to be different as a result of your encounter with God through His Word? Well, certainly one of the ways that you and I would be different is that we would delight in it and that we would recognize that it is invaluable to your life and to my life. That we are to remember the Lord. We are to remember His statutes, His Word, and we are to delight in it. We are not to be like a man named Arlo. In her book, Amazing Grace, the poet Kathleen Norris writes about an encounter she had with this man named Arlo. Now, Arlo was a man facing a terminal disease. He was near death. And he told the story how on his wedding day, his grandfather gave him a box. And in the box was a beautiful new family Bible. His grandfather thought, what better way for my grandson and his new bride to start their lives than with the Word of God. He was encouraging them to build the foundation of their life on God's Word. Well, they opened the box, they saw the Bible, they put the lid back in and they put it on the shelf. They wrote a letter to his grandfather thanking him for the wonderful gift that he had given them. But the grandfather didn't let it go. He'd ask Arlo and his wife every time they were at a family gathering. So, did you open my package? Yes, Grandpa, we did. Have you read the Bible? Well, no, Grandpa, we haven't. And that conversation happened over the course of many years. Grandpa was relentless. And Arlo, having to be honest, said, no, my wife and I, we, we have the Bible in the box, but we've not opened it. Grandpa, we haven't read it. Well, years passed. Grandpa's gone. And now Arlo is facing his maker. Disease is taking his life. So what do you think he does? He goes to the shelf. He removes from it the box. He takes the lid off. And he opens it up for the very first time. Decades had passed. Opportunities wasted. Like orange juice on the deathbed. And he opens it up. And he sees an inscription from his grandpa. And then he turns to the very first book of the Bible, Genesis. And in it, he finds Clip, the $20 bill. And then he goes to the next book. Another $20 bill. And the next book another $20 bill. And the next book, another $20 bill. Over $1,300 in all, every chapter of the Bible had a 20 attached to the first, or every book of the Bible had a 20 attached to the first page. And as the author of this uh, book, Amazing Grace, writes, Arlo looked at her and said, you know, my grandfather put the money there because he knew I'd never find it. <laughs> so this morning, as we talk about 
delighting in God's Word. As we talk about taking the book and opening it and finding great value in it that's waiting there for you and me, we are reminded to remember. And you know, that's the theme we see throughout Scripture, that we're to remember the Lord our God, His mighty works on our behalf, His love for you and for me. And there's no greater remembrance than that of the Lord's Supper. It was on the night in which Christ was betrayed that He gathered His disciples and He took bread and He broke it. And He said, This is My body which is broken for you. Whenever you eat this, eat it in remembrance of Me. Likewise, after supper, He He takes the cup and He said, This is the cup of the new covenant in My blood which is poured out for you. As often as you drink this, drink this in remembrance of Me so that whenever you or I eat the bread or drink from the cup, we declare Christ's death, His sacrifice, until He comes again. And He is coming again. This morning, all who are followers of Christ Jesus are invited to this table. But as you come, come expecting to encounter the One who is the living Word. The One who is the bread of life. And allow Him this morning to meet you, to nourish you, to encourage you, and to give you hope. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for this table. The table that You have set for us. We thank You that You are present in a very real way this morning. And as we come to the table, may we encounter Christ in a meaningful way, in a way that He would nourish our souls. And Father, as He nourishes us, may our coming forward be a declaration of our faith in Him. And and Lord, our desire is to bless You as we receive Your blessing at this table. So Father, we prepare our hearts now to come, thanking You and delighting Not only in your word, but in the one who is the living word. That is our Savior, Christ Jesus. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.